Welcome to the Selfish Badass Podcast, the show that teaches female leaders how to create a life that lights her soul on fire. I'm your host, certified success coach, Krista Resnick. I'm a sought-after speaker, teacher, leadership expert, and mom to three sons. I'm the founder of the Selfish Badass Movement, which empowers women across the globe to stop settling and embrace who they truly are. If you're a female leader who is ready to live a life on purpose and create success on your terms, then this show is for you. I'm so thrilled you're here because it's time for you to give yourself permission to show up unapologetically. It's time for you to step into and own your leadership. And it's time for you to create success in a way that feels good to you. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Selfish Badass Podcast. It is the thick of winter. We are in the middle of the doldrums here in northwestern Wisconsin. I have people that tune in from all over the globe, so you may not be experiencing the cold and the sort of rigid temperature and snow that we experience here. I'm not complaining. I actually do really love it. And one of the reasons that I love it, I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, is it is such a great opportunity to go within and really slow down, get present, and do that beautiful self-discovery and self-awareness. There's still activities. You know, we're still busy going to basketball games and, and doing different things, but there's just something about what winter represents. It's as though everything just dies. It's sort of that season. If you think about a farmer planting a field, it's, it's that season where everything just goes dormant. And even though there's still activities happening, there's just a different feeling in the air when it comes to winter. And personally, again, I really love it. I love the self-discovery that I experience in the winter. I love the self-awareness. I love some of the breakthroughs that I have as I'm doing some of this deeper inner work. And so this podcast is releasing at such a perfect time, I believe. All timing is perfect. But today we're talking about connecting with and sharpening our intuition. I have a just a beautiful, beautiful guest that I'm interviewing today. Her name is Victoria Shaw, and she's a licensed professional counselor and a spiritual coach who combines her background in training in psychology and counseling with her intuitive gifts to help her clients heal and grow and realize their own spiritual and personal potential. And so we talk a lot about the difference between intuition and the mind and how to tap into your intuition. And it's really just a delightful conversation that I know that you're going to really, really enjoy. So before I introduce Victoria to you, I want to share an announcement with you. And that is, if you have not downloaded the Selfish Badass Assessment yet, There will be a link to that in the show notes. This is a beautiful, beautiful opportunity for you to download this assessment and really get clear on where you want to go in 2021. We still have lots and lots of time left, despite the fact that it's February. Plenty of time. So where do you want to go? What do you want to make happen in 2020 that 2021, I should say, that you didn't make happen in 2020, where you maybe fell short a little bit. And we can agree 2020 was a very uncertain year and a lot was thrown at us. But where do you want to go? 
What are your dreams? What are your desires? And what's holding you back from creating those things in your life? Because I believe that if you are having those dreams and those visions and those desires in your awareness, then it is meant for you. And it really is a matter of you taking ownership and choosing to align with new beliefs, with new behaviors, with new habits, with new perspectives, with new attitudes, shifting your energy and really aligning with your future self. So the Selfish Badass Assessment is an amazing way to help you get started with that process. And once you download it, you can expect a little bit of extra support from me along the way. I don't like to leave anybody hanging. And so you will receive some additional tips and tools and encouragement and cheerleading from me uh, via several emails after you download the assessment. So it's yours. It's free for the taking. So get that into your inbox now. <laughs> that was direct. Now. All right. Let's not waste another moment. I know you're going to love Victoria. She really is a beautiful soul who is incredibly committed to helping people use their struggles and their life experiences to fuel their own amazing spiritual awakening. So friends, join me in my incredible interview with Victoria Shaw. Welcome to the pod, Victoria. I am so excited to have you here today. I am so excited to be here. Thanks so much. Absolutely. I know we are going to have an extraordinary conversation around how to really lean into and listen to our intuition. But before we even go there, I have to ask my favorite question, which is, what were you like, Victoria, as a little girl? Uh, as a little girl, I think I was adorable. <laughs> but I think everybody thinks that or should think that I was a bit of a wild child. I was definitely a marcher to the beat of my own drum as a child. And I had an amazing um, internal world. I was an only child and I didn't have super attentive parents. So I spent a lot of time on my own. And because of that, I had a really rich inner world that um, was really wonderful, a wonderful refuge for me. Wow. So tell me a little bit more about the inner world. I just was a very imaginative child. I would do a lot of fantasy play with others, but also by myself. And one of the funny things that I'm remembering a lot now is when I was a kid, I loved to teach. And I would, one of my favorite games that I would play when I was bored was teaching other people. So this was like before, you know, the, the Martha Stewart and all those kind of days, but I would be like, you know, imagining I'm riding my bike and I'm teaching other children how to ride their bikes, or I'm cleaning the counter in the bathroom and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm pretending I'm on TV seriously. And it's so funny now because I do have such that calling to teach and, and be out there. And I'm like, oh my God, even as a child, I was practicing. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's so fun to go back yeah. and see those yeah. threads. So I'm curious, Victoria, the time you spent alone, it sounds like it really maybe heightened your connection with self and heightened your connection with your imagination and your in intuition. Did you find at all that so much time alone caused you to go up into your headspace like a lot of us? You know, I think it's both. I mean, I think you were hitting on something that I never thought about before, but I think it's so true. I think a lot of that space that I was given as a child was that opportunity to connect with myself. And though I also have memories of being lonely as a child, so that was definitely a thing too and something I've worked on a lot in my adult life to sort of let some of those things go. I also think there was a magic to being left on my own a little bit and being able to be for that, you know, those first early years of my life in my own little fantasy world and being able to, you know, I used to talk to, I realize now that I used to talk to spirit guides as strange as that is, but you know, there was like a tree at, at, you know, my bus stop in Iraq and like, they were my friends. And, you know, I remember this and I think a lot of children have those rich 
um, world. And then we lose it when we get older because people tell us like, oh, that's just for children. Don't use your imagination. Don't go to that fantasy place. But now in the work that I do, you know, having that connection is so vital because imagination and intuition are intertwined. Oh, it's so huge. It's so huge. And I was talking to everybody when I was a kid. (laughs) I had all sorts of imaginary friends. Right. So tell me about then as you started to navigate from this gorgeous childhood that you had of just being so in tune with yourself and so in tune with your, with your intuition and your imagination, when did you start to lose it? You recall what that looked like? You know, for me, I don't know if I ever lost it completely, but what really happened because I lived in a somewhat dysfunctional family and just because I was such an empathic, compassionate little, little bugger. And I just would pick up everybody's feelings, everybody's stuff, all the experiences, all the stuff that was going around. And I think I was the example of a child that was too intuitive. And at some point I just got overwhelmed. And was just overloaded with too much TMI, too much information coming through. So I always had that connection to my intuition, but it was hard to discern the signals. It was hard to like process because it was too much. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think like many children, I didn't have a frame of reference. So although my mom was a little bit out there, I don't think I really had a healthy way of understanding the experiences that I was having. And I mean, I think that's what really helps kids when we start to give them a language to understand intuition, when we make it normal and available and comfortable and non-scary, they don't lose it. They stay with it. And so, you know, I was having these experiences throughout my childhood, but I didn't have a frame of reference to understand them. And so when the gifts came through, I just thought, well, that's just what everybody does. And then a lot of times the intuition didn't feel gifty at all. It felt quite overwhelming. Oh, so, okay. So tell me about that, the overwhelm. And then what would you do? What, was what would response? I do as a child or what would I do now? <laughs> both. Share with us both. You know, as a child, again, you don't realize, you know, you only know your own experience and that's normal for you. So you don't know if something's wrong or not wrong. Cause you know, you just know what, you know, um, But yeah, for me, I was very sensitive to what other people felt, what other people's experiences. And as I got to adolescence, I became aware more and more consciously it was a thing. So, you know, I would sometimes be aware of, you know, a friend wasn't feeling well, I would feel that in my body. Um, In my early adulthood, I had a friend who had a breakdown and um, I remember I was a senior in college. I was in my thesis, Carol, Carol, I was finishing my um, undergraduate thesis. And all of a sudden this wave came over me and I'm like, someone I love is hurting. And I actually thought I was losing my mind because it was like so strong. I'm like, either this is real or I'm going insane. And I called my mom because, you know, she was always the first person I thought of and it wasn't her. And then I just randomly called another friend and he said, oh my God, you called it just the right time. Let me tell you what just went down. And, um, yeah. And that was, I think a life-changing experience for me because that was the first time I realized this, this is real. And, and this has been happening to me all the time. And it still took me many years to really understand and own that. But that was when I really first became conscious of the way in which I was feeling and picking up other people's feelings and emotions and stuff. Wow. Wow. So tell us a little bit about your journey then to really realizing I've got a gift here. This is not some strange thing. I have a gift and I'm going to start to show up in the world, helping other women tune into this gift that they also have. Right. So for me, it happened um, when we made, I lived in New York city for 12 years and, and started raising my kiddos there. And again, for an empath, which is that highly sensitive person that feels what everyone else is feeling New York is an interesting challenge because there are so many people. Oh, oh my God. We know. went to New York City for my 40th birthday, Victoria. I literally would walk out of the Gansevoort Hotel. Uh, and the podcast listeners, of course, can't see me. But if they could see me right now, I would walk out of the, I would walk out of the door of the Gansevoort Hotel and I would look up at the sky. My mouth would be dropped open like, where do we go? <laughs> what do we do? I was, yeah. so, I loved it, but I was so overstimulated. So I can only it imagine is. living there. It is. And you know, 
when I made the decision to move to New York, my husband is from Paris and that was, so he's a big city guy. I was not, we were living in Princeton, New Jersey, which is about an hour, 40 minutes outside in New York by train. And so, you know, people commute, we've been in and out. I've been in and around New York now for most of my adult life. Um, but I had no desire to live in the city because I always felt like you have to shut down so much to live in the city because there's so much stimulation and because there's just so much emotional energy and stuff. And I wasn't sure I could do that. Um, but I did. And we made the choice and we lived there for 12 years. And I'm very proud of myself that I survived. And then um, we made the decision as a family to move to the suburbs and move. We live about an hour outside of the city, but it's a much more slower paced rural. It's, it's just far enough that you don't feel that vibe of New York. Like <laughs> the vibe of New York stretches very far. And um you know, less stimulation, slower. And there's actually a period of time when I realized I had to recalibrate my nervous system to the slower pace yeah. because I was used to constant stimulation. So at first it was a little withdrawals and then, you know, everything changed and I was really able to deepen my meditation practice and start to feel my own energy and my own vibration again and slow down and then all of a sudden I realized I had these gifts and that, you know, it was my calling and my time to awaken them. Wow. Yeah. That is such a magnificent story. I love it. Yeah. So, because this, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm almost overwhelmed <laughs> just because <laughs> there's so many different avenues we can start to pull on here. Um, this is so much of what I work with, with my clients because I think from the time we're children, we are taught to not trust ourselves. Yeah. Right? So what do we do? We start to look outside of ourselves for all of the answers. Yes, ma'am. Right? So it's really this beautiful uncovering of your intuition because everybody's got one, right? They just yeah. have no idea how to tune into it. Yeah. So let's maybe start there. So everybody has an intuition, correct? Yeah. Everyone's ha has intuition. The way that I look at it, and you don't have to look at it that this way, but I'm going to share my perspective. I think that we're all spiritual beings in physical bodies. Yes. And your intuition is your connection to your higher spiritual self. Yes. And because, I believe that too. 100%. And again, you don't have to, it works either way, but that spiritual perspective is how I understand it. And it's, it's, really how I can explain that we all got it. And you, there's no one on earth who has not had an experience where they knew something, they didn't know how they knew it. And it turned out to be hundred percent correct. We've all had those experiences. They can be tiny things like knowing who's um, going to be on the phone before it rings to really profound experiences. Like, you know, don't, don't take that route going home today, take a different one or marry this person or, you know, really profound or, you know, don't take that job or do take that job. So they yeah. can be really, really small or really, really big, but we always have them. And I think you're absolutely right. We don't live in a society that values that we live in a society that tells us to value our mind, to value logic, to value what we've been taught is good to pursue that. We've live in a society that teaches us to overanalyze yeah. and overanalyzing is sort of like the kiss of death when it comes to your intuition. Cause your intuition doesn't need analysis. Your intuition is pure. It's clear. It's direct. And the way I look at our analyzing logical mind and, and you're talking to someone who has, you know, like uh, advanced degrees, many of them in a good logical linear mind lineage. Um, but I think of it now very much as secondary. So the intuition mm. comes through and I sit with that. And then my mind becomes the tool for explaining and expressing Wow, what comes to me through my deeper wisdom. Oh, I'm almost speechless. Aww. And you're talking to a woman who's never speechless about anything. <laughs> I have lots to say about everything. So you get the intuitive hit yes. and you really sit with that. How yeah. long? How long do you, how do you know when it's time to take action? You know, it's different for everyone. And again, I mean, I do this for a living. So my intuition is highly honed and something that, you know, again, it was always on and natural for me, even though I had to learn how to use it. 
you know, some people it's, it's really, really tiny, quiet voice. And so their work is to really amplify and turn it up and everything in between. So it's different for everyone. And again, I do this all the time, but for me, if I'm reading for somebody else, it's pretty direct and I just get the information and I hear it and I communicate it when it's an issue for myself. That's when I really need to, you know, take that time to sit, to let it percolate, to surrender because, you know, when you are emotionally invested in, you know, the answer to the intuition, to the information you're getting, when you have a strong, you know, investment, then you, you tend to, um, it's harder for you to hear the call of your soul, right? Yeah. There's just more noise. More on the, the line, more on right? the line. So when, you're re- when I'm reading for myself or getting information for myself, that's when I sit for a long time sometimes. And sometimes the answer comes right away. And I've developed a good enough relationship with my intuition now that I can usually feel what's my intuition and what's my mind. They Mm. kinesthetically feel different to me. And that's super helpful. So, you know, sometimes I'll ask a question and the answer is just, it's right there. And then sometimes I got to wait a while and, you know, I respect both processes. Oh, so good. So as I know, the listeners are going to want to know this because I would love to hear you unpack this too. How do you decipher if it's intuition or mind? Okay. So it's different for everyone, but the basic rules are this. Your intuition is always clear. It's always calm. It tends to be direct. Intuition will not just tell you what you want to hear, but it's also a voice that's very loving and kind. So Mm -hmm. if you think your intuition is telling you what a F up you are, That is Mm. not your intuition. That is your inner critic. Your intuition comes from a place of source of soul of love. And it's always here to support you and love you. And it'll have that loving tone. There's also a certain neutrality to your intuition. So in spirit form, we don't have emotions the way we have them here on earth. And so even when your intuition is is, um, delivering an information that could be potentially fear inducing, it'll always be clear and calm and emotionally neutral. Wow. Sometimes what happens is we react to it really quick and then the emotion comes in. So I've had that happen, but the initial hit is really calm. And I've had intuitions about things, you know, as, as funky as, you know, loved ones going to pass away. And um, again, not that I'm in the habit of predicting that, but sometimes that's helpful information to have. And when that's come through, it's always clear and calm and loving. It's not fear-based at all. Okay. So always clear, calm, and loving. Now, is there different ways that intuition can really show up? Yes. That's a beautiful question. And again, it's different for everyone. And I always recommend start with what comes naturally to you rather than what you see the other guy do, because intuition is your communication with your higher self. And you know, it's, it's going to be unique as unique as we all are. We're all beautiful, unique little snowflakes and, um, or spirits. And so start with what comes natural and normal to you and go from there. The way that I think the most common way that people experience their intuition is through their bodies and body sensations. So sometimes people will get the chills when something just hits home or a tear in your eye or a wonky feeling in your stomach when something's off or an expansive feeling in your gut when something feels right. So learning your body signals is super important. And sometimes it's even great to just sit with a question or sit with a situation, get really present, meditate on it if you want, and see how it feels in your body. Mm. And just, you know, don't try to interpret it, just see what comes up and you will probably get amazing answers. And you know, the body is great too, because when we are in touch with our body and the wisdom of our body, it gets us out of our minds. And as I told you before, thought is sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's not the friend of your intuition. It's what blocks our intuition. It's what blocks our intuition. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, that woman because I work with a lot of high achievers, a lot of type right. A, drive, 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 hustle. Yep, yep. <laughs> so they feel like they they believe they've bought into the story that you know they don't the feelings don't show up in their bodies. That's what I hear a lot from my clients right. when they first start working with me. So speak to that woman and that story a little bit. 
Yeah, it's so most of us have been taught to just trust our bodies and to push through and that, you know, our bodies are not our friends, especially women, men too. But, you know, I'm thinking of that idea back when I was young. I hope we're over, you know, a woman can never be president because, you know, she, what if she gets her period, you know? I mean, like, oh, oh gosh. Oh, <laughs> I know. I, I, I hope we're past that now. I um, hope we're past amazing that, wisdom in our bodies and women's bodies rock. I mean, what we make babies, come on. Right. We are machines. <laughs> right. Total badasses. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, but many of us have been, haven't been taught to tap into the wisdom in our body. We've been taught to push through it. We've been taught to disown our feelings. We've been taught they're not safe. We haven't been taught that emotional sort of literacy piece to be able to feel our feels, love and accept them and, and not become overwhelmed by them. And so it's a process and meditation embodied um, like um, felt sense exercises. I'm actually going to be putting together a workshop, online workshop very, very soon on this very topic because getting in touch with that felt sense in the body is huge, not just for your intuition, but also for your mental, emotional and spiritual well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Explain um, what you mean a little bit more. Did you say felt sense? Felt sense. So that's the, the sense that you have of being in your body. And okay. most of us don't go there. We are a hundred percent in our heads or not, oh, maybe yes. not a hundred percent, but mostly in our heads. And we've lost touch with what it feels like to be in physical form in our bodies and your bodies need, our, need your attention and our bodies need our energy. And also, our bodies have tremendous wisdom. And when we can tap into that and really feel what's going on inside, we have this huge wealth of wisdom that um, we're just not tapping. And it's also so essential for your health. Because again, if you are thinking and pushing through all those body signals, that is the fastest way to get sick. That is the fastest way to burn out. And that is, yeah, and that's what happens for a lot of people because they're not in touch. Yeah. So it shows up in a lot of different physical ailments. Absolutely. And you know, it'll just, the body, if we don't listen to it, we'll just get louder and louder and louder until it gets our attention. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things kind of pulling on this thread of that felt sense is Mm -hmm. when a client first comes to me, and I think this is just a lot of, of people in general, I will ask them, to do a certain, you know, piece of homework or whatever. And then we'll, we'll talk about, well, how did that feel? And the answer, right. the default mode is always good. Right. Good. <laughs> good. They have a hard time even describing yeah. their feelings. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Again, I think a lot of us have been taught that's right. When you, when you see somebody and you're walking around and you say hello to someone casually and you say, how's it going? No one tells you, it's terrible, or I have an ache in my foot, or I'm having kind of a funky day, right? The default is, it's good, it's fine. And I think a lot of us have been taught that that default is the only answer. And of course, you know, and socially, it's, it's socially expected that that's how you respond to casual acquaintances, and that's totally fine. But the deeper message is, you know, you got to feel your feels and you don't have to be miserable either. I'm not saying go into this headspace story of how terrible life is either, because that's not the solution. But, you know, there's even good can, there's a lot of levels of discernment. So what felt good? Where did it feel good? How did it feel good? Was it warm? Good. Was it cold? Good. When we start to ask ourselves those sensory questions then we start to sink more into our bodies and in our sensory experiences out of our minds and have more of that sort of embodied presence and intuition comes from there or can come from there. So much of this work, don't you think Victoria is really slowing down? I always say it's calming our asses down. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, And that's so much where the problem lies is we are living in such a culture that is teaching us and saying, you are not valuable unless you are living at breakneck speed yes. and you have got to prove and you have got to get on the hustle and grind train or you yep. are going to get left behind. And so this thought of slowing down, it just freaks everybody out. Yeah. Like, I don't have time. I don't have time to get in touch with my body. Are you kidding <laughs> me? I don't have time. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think for one thing, some people are afraid to slow down because they're not used to what's lying underneath the surface and it can be a little uncomfortable until you get, you get comfortable there. 
So I think that's part of it. I work with people that have a lot of emotional and psychic like angst where slowing down is scary as, you know, it's scary as heck. Um, scarier than that, but I want to use nice language. And um, <laughs> we're all good here. All right. Perfect. So there's that. Um, and then also, yes, we have a society that teaches us, you know, our value is in what we do, what we create and what we produce. And so many people are chasing happiness by, you know, burning themselves out or working at breakneck speed, not realizing that they're basically like running through life as if their life is on fire and they don't know why they're stressed out, you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> Rather yes. than, right? And if you are on fire, you know, you don't run. That fans the flames. You slow down, you stop, drop, and roll, you calm yourself. And a lot of people don't have the skills to do that. And society doesn't teach us to do that. No. And, you know, I went to a very high, um, high pressure graduate school, um, an Ivy league, the whole nine yards. And, you know, there was the, the ethic, what we were taught was, you know, at Princeton, our graduate students work 110%. And we all just kind of accepted that. And then, you know, when I graduated yeah. And when I graduated and finished and I said, do I really want a career in academia? And I was talking to some of my friends and a lot of us left for this reason, because we looked around and everyone was so miserable. And even the people, the role models that we had to follow, you know, the people that had just gotten tenure and all the, I was like, they weren't happy. And that was a big aha moment for me of, you know, how it's not just what you achieve, but like the enjoyment you get out of your life. And so that since then has really always been important to me. Of course, I want to express, you know, my greatness and wonderful gifts in this world. Who doesn't? But I want to do that from a place of enjoyment. Yes. It's really about this permission slip of what does success look like to you? Because you actually get to define it in all components of your life. Yeah. Right? And I don't think many of us think this way. A lot of us have that constant tape recorder in our head that says success looks like this. And if you deviate this, you, you know, you won't be accepted. You won't be okay. And you won't be happy. And unfortunately what that tape does is it keeps you from being happy or you might yes. be happy for a moment because you meet that, you know, that idea of what you think should be successful. But again, you know, life happens. And so sometimes you'll meet it, sometimes you won't. And if your happiness is hanging on that hook, you'll never really have any lasting, you know, joy. Whereas when you turn into, tune into the joy in the moment and you let your intuition and your spirit guide you towards what's really going to light your fires and what's really like what your purpose, what you're here to do in the world, then everything changes and you have joy in the moment. I'm not going to say every, you know, second is perfect but you're definitely going to live life with that deeper sense of purpose, that deeper sense of joy. And then again, you're going to be defining the terms of your life from that higher place. And after a while, you don't care what other people think. And sometimes too, people, because in our hearts is what we all crave. Sometimes other people will look at you and go, Oh my God, I want some of that. Yep. Yep. Because you're, you're being a permission slip then for them to slow down and to find true joy and to find true peace and calm. I don't think people really want to run at breakneck speed. No, of course I not. just don't think they know how to do it any different. I don't think they realize, Victoria, that there's an opt-out button. Yeah. I don't think they know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, what you do. I love your work too, in letting people know, hey, caring for yourself isn't just an option. Yeah. It's an essential. It's, it's essential. Essential. And yes. aligning with our higher selves and our purpose and our intuition. And you know, a lot of people don't hear their intuition from that very reason because they've been taught not just to listen to their minds, but if they don't listen to this and they don't drink the Kool-Aid of everything that they've been taught, you know, they'll be a failure, they'll be, they won't be lovable, they won't. And in fact, again, all of those can keep you on the treadmill of unhappiness. Yes. Yes. It's all those inner critic stories that started way back when we were kids that we handcuff ourselves to and we drag them along for the ride and they just keep driving the bus. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So how much of this, Victoria, would you say is trauma-based? 
and, and sort of a protection. Like we cannot sit and be still and be in solitude and allow things to come up because it's a scary place. Yes. That's a good point. Um, I mean, and trauma can mean a lot of different things. So we have traumas that are, you know, really big things like being in a war, being sexually abused. And then you have the little traumas of life where, you know, I always say again, we're spirits or souls in physical form, but life doesn't really match our highest, you know, spiritual vibration. And so every spirit at some point when we come into a body is going to get, you know, dinged up a little bit because, you know, human life is, it's funky, it's, it's messy. And so there's a lot of experiences in life that don't resonate with the truth that we have within inside of us, that we're lovable, that we're enough, um, that we're valuable. These are all truths, but oftentimes in the world, we don't get those messages. And each time we, those, that inner truth becomes invalidated for us, we get dinged up a little bit. Yes. And so definitely people with strong trauma histories have often have trouble sitting still and sitting with their feelings. And it can go one of two ways. It can be people that are completely overwhelmed and are just in, you know, in a constant state of overwhelm emotion, or it can be people that have very great containers for all those feelings, but they're not touching it. So it's like the radioactive material that's buried down in like 10 layers of whatever you bury radioactive material in and it's there and it's, you know, it's still getting to them, but they don't want to touch it. Mm. Um, And in both of those cases, it can be hard, you know, to sit still, but as you learn to do that, everything shifts and changes. But I would say if you have a trauma history, it's really good if you're doing meditation or yoga or any kind of mindfulness exercises to start really slow and gently and be super kind to yourself. It's a process. It's something that you can learn. And it's sometimes helpful to, to do it with a supportive teacher because that can feel safe as well. Yeah. Yeah. I always say there's no such thing as a solopreneur. Yeah. That is a, that. that is a curse word because we're all getting, we need support whether, I mean, it might be, you know, that you have a VA right? three hours a week. It might mean support for you might mean asking your husband, Hey, I'm trying to build this business. So I'm going to need you to, um, cook dinner two nights this right. week. I, I just can't, I I've got to work some extra hours to get this business off the ground, whatever, but it's pulling in support from all these different places. So just to kind of piggyback on your point of, most of the time it does require partnering, which is all the beautiful work that you do with your clients right. is Absolutely. partnering with them on sharpening this intuition and really, really rebuilding that relationship with yourself because truly a high quality life begins with a high quality you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't have yeah. said better myself. Right. Yeah, so important. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about where a person, we already touched on it a little bit, but where a person would even start that is so in that headspace, that is so thinking, I do not have time. I have X, Y, and Z to get done. What might be a couple of things they could do to just start moving the needle down the field to sharpen their intuition? Okay. One thing is that you can start just to pay attention where it's happening for you. It's always happening. It's always there. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you have five minutes to write down things that you think were your intuition, or maybe on Saturday or Sunday, you have 15, 20 minutes to write down. You only have to do this once or twice, write down all the times in your life. You think something was your intuition, getting that dialogue open. I teach, um, I teach intuition development courses as well. And and I have an online course that I just launched And the very first assignment. I always give everybody is journal a little bit about the intuition and start to pay attention to when it's happening for you because it's sort of, it's happening all the time. You're just not attending to it. It's sort of like when you, um, you're thinking of buying a new car, right? And a certain make and model of car. And then suddenly you're on the highway and every third car is that car. Yep. It's not the case that because you're thinking about that car, there's more of them. You're just noticing it more because you're paying attention. Yes. Cam Brown's E squared philosophy. I love that. Exactly. So starting to pay attention to when your intuition is happening and writing down anything that you think might be your intuition. So that's like a few seconds at the end of every day to do a little intuition checklist and see if, you know, anything happened, let it come to you. 
The other thing that you can do is practice little mini meditations where you drop into your body for like three to five minutes and just start to feel, you know, what it's like to be in your body. And I love that because it's quick, it's easy. I practice that between clients. You can do a little guided visualizations, but you can really just put one hand on your belly, one hand on your heart and just take three deep breaths and you know set the intention to just be present with yourself. And if you do that, you will start to get in the habit of getting into that powered down state. And you know, for me, I can drop into my intuitive awareness like that, mm. um, but it takes practice. And again, I, um, I don't necessarily, when I meditate, meditate for like four hours, you know, <laughs> like who has time for that? Even 20 minutes sometimes yep. is a long time, but everybody can do three minutes yes. or five minutes and you can do it a couple times a day. And the other one that's popping into my brain intuitively, which we all probably have access to right now is spend some time in nature, get outside. Oh, for sure right? You know, the, the natural world is always vibing, you know, at its highest state and, you know, plants, trees, animals, they don't have thought. And so when we commune with them, it awakens that inherent aliveness within us. And that's where your intuition comes from. And so, plus it just feels good, right? It's great for your nervous system as well. So, you know, spending, you know, if you are someone who's in an office 24 seven and everything's a little different now, right? So a lot of us are at home and do have these opportunities more to get outside, to spend some time in your yard, to contemplate a flower, to stand under a tree. Um, And again, you don't have to, you know, go hike for five hours in the mountains, although, you know, that's really fun. Um, it can just be for a few minutes, but that's another great way being around water too. A lot of people find is a great time to connect with their intuition. Yep. And you also have natural power down times in your life that you might not be using. So a lot of people find, I don't personally find this, but a lot of people find driving to be a place where they can really hear their inner wisdom. Your mind mind (laughs) is just occupied enough with the, the driving that you can kind of tune out. And so start taking advantage of those times, maybe rather than listening to a radio talk show and rather than, you know, listening to a podcast, although podcasts are great and definitely listen to them, but right. (laughs) Um, you know, take a couple seconds and just let your mind wander and, and also anything around intuition. You know, I just said, don't listen to a podcast, but really I spend a lot of time listening to podcasts like my own, like yours that are more intuitively guided, listening to guided visualizations, listening. Cause when we think about intuition, it starts to open for us. So listening to podcasts about intuition, reading books about intuition, again, it just gets the dialogue started and the number of clients that have come out of my office without my even trying, because I also have a counseling practice, but without my even trying and, you know, in three months, their intuition has blossomed, right? Mm -hmm. We haven't done anything. You know, I have a spiritual book group, same thing. We, I don't teach tools in that book group, but reading the books and starting to just open yourself to the possibility of intuition is sometimes all it takes to get it started. Yes. Yes. It does not have to be these massive things. They need, actually, they need to be simple things. And so many of the methodologies and what I do is so simple because I think, again, when we complicate things, boom, we just shut down and we do nothing. And then there's no change. So it's really, and I'm telling you that for the people listening, I never thought I could be a woman who meditated. And now I am a woman who can't not meditate. (laughs) I mean, when you start to really lean into the benefits of it and how it makes you feel, it's just something that is such an integral part of my morning routine. And then of course I do, I do my breath work all day long. I do several rounds. Um, my personal favorite is the four, seven, eight breath. Although I do some, you know, box breathing as well, but I do, I like the four, seven, eight, cause it really does calm me down. And then I can respond and show up as the woman that I want to be and really lean into settling down that nervous system and getting back to center. And it all started with just two or three minutes. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's where it started for me. And with meditation, another real tip is Notice how you feel after, not necessarily the experience during. 
because a lot of people will say to me, I can't meditate, Victoria. Like my mind doesn't stop. Yep. <laughs> and, I hear it all the time. Yep. Right. And that's not, it's not important. The mind doesn't have to stop. What the purpose of meditation is to start to develop the awareness, yes. the awareness of thought, that non-mental thinking awareness and that, that presence. And so it's a practice. So a lot of times my mind will be driving me nuts while I'm meditating. And of course I'm being aware of it and I'm bringing myself back to the breath and I'm doing the whole process. And it's not the most joyous. Sometimes it's an amazing experience when I'm doing it, but sometimes it's a little bit, it's a little bit stressful. It's a little bit difficult, but I always feel better afterwards. Yeah. And so paying attention to that, it's the practice. It's like, sort of like when you start a new exercise routine, right? Some days you feel amazing. Some days, like 10 minutes on the treadmill is like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. But you always feel better afterwards. Yes. And that's I think, how you know it's working. Yes. Yes. And I think to your point, most things are a practice. It's right. asking yourself, you know what, am I going to really be interested in this and just play with this one or two times and then quit? Or am I going to be a woman who really commits to right. this and really, you know, puts her toe in the water and then, okay, now we're going to put our ankle in the water. Now we're going to be like knee high, you know, right. <laughs> waist high and, and just start- moving from there and realizing that we got to be patient with ourselves. It's a practice. Yeah. And be kind too, because I'm not trying to give the message that it has to stink. You know, it has to be uncomfortable because it doesn't. There are guided visualizations. I love to meditate with music. I find that if I have meditation music in the background, that helps still my mind. Some people like walking and moving meditations. So there are a lot of different ways to get the job done. And just like exercise, I'm always a fan of if you love to be, you know, hanging out with a bunch of other people, like do a sport. If you like solitude, go for a walk, do what resonates with you. Start there. If you are called to stretch and grow your practice in a different direction later on, then so be it. But it's always great to, to start with what's feels the most comfortable and easy for you because a, that's how habits get started. But also again, it it reminds us all that life is supposed to be fun and joyous. And, you know, of course, sometimes it's uncomfortable too, but it doesn't have to be, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it doesn't have to be start with the joy wherever you can get it. Yeah. I love that. I love that because Victoria, this work does not have to be one more thing added to a person's plate or to-do list that says you have to show up this way or it's not going to work. You have to do it this. Now, personally, I do really love silent meditation. I love sitting in solitude. However, I've got a few guideds that are insane. I mean, they are like the most beautiful, bring you to tears. I don't lean into those quite as much as I do the solitude because I know what the solitude does for me and how it makes me feel. I'm I'm very tuned into that, but the guideds are extraordinary and I will pull those out and use those when I feel led to use those, right? There's no right or wrong. And, and you're right. There's some days where you know, I can be driving somewhere and I just shut it all off and I just let my mind just play and have fun and just see what comes through and just sit in the solitude of listening to the engine hum and, you know, observing what's happening as I'm driving down the highway. And that can be a form of meditation. Absolutely. Yeah. Just keep your eyes open when you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true. This is true. Absolutely. Keep I have your so eyes many open. clients that want to do sessions when they're driving. And I'm like, cause we kind of often go into a meditative state and I'm always like, you got to, I like, you got to yeah. at least be off the road, but yeah, yes. you can absolutely use anything as at least a mindfulness exercise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we know that the name of the pod is the selfish badass. So I want to yes, kind of end on this question and that is what does being a badass mean to you? Ah, love that question. I know, right? It means standing in your own light, being your authentic self, fearlessly being who you are and knowing that when you are expressing and standing in the light of your soul, like it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, Mm. you just got to do you. And that when you're doing that, you are actually in the highest service to yourself but also in the highest service to the world, because what the world needs more and more right now is for all of us to stand in our own light, align with our highest selves and share our gifts with the world. Preach it, sister. 
That's what I think. So 155%. (laughs) Couldn't have said it better. I love it. So are you on all the social platforms? We'll have the links for all the listeners to be able to connect with you and find you and get more Victoria. Are you pretty much everywhere? I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and um, also have, can I give the name of my podcast? Absolutely. Intuitive Connection with Victoria Shaw. So we talk about all all things intuitive and um, how to awaken your intuition. Well, I will definitely be tuning into your podcast as well. Yay. I, there's nothing better than to learn how to, no matter, no matter how much work you think you've done and where you think you're at and you've arrived to, I really love to approach some of these concepts and teachings with the approach of, I don't know anything. Yeah. So I can't wait to tune into your pod to just lap up what you have to offer and to learn even more of how I can start to really lean into and own my own intuition. Love it. Beginner's mind is the best way to connect with your inner wisdom. Isn't it? it, It's so true. It's so true. So thank you very much for being on the pod today, Victoria. This has been absolutely insanely awesome. I've had a blast. Thank you so much. Well, my friends, I hope you enjoyed another amazing episode. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, share, and review wherever you listen to your podcast because when you do those things, you're really helping the pod get seen. And when the pod gets seen, you are helping other female leaders step into their leadership, own who they are, be an expression of their purpose so that they can make their impact in this world. I want you to remember this week that I believe in you and you matter. See you next time.